This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. biology disorders are a set of rare genetic diseases caused by a shortening of the protective DNA that appears at the ends of chromosomes. Between 80 and 90 percent of people with these conditions will suffer from bone marrow failure by age 30, the leading cause of mortality for people with these disorders. The only available treatment today is transplantation of donor human stem cells. Elixergen is developing what it calls self-replicating RNA therapies to treat telomere biology disorders and other conditions. We spoke to Akihiro Ko, CEO of Elixigen Therapeutics, about telomere biology disorders, the company's self-replicating RNA therapies, and the advantages this new therapeutic approach offers over more traditional mRNA therapies. Aki, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Very nice, to, very nice to speak with you. We're going to talk about Elixigen, its next-generation RNA technology, and its efforts to develop a treatment for telomere biology disorders. Perhaps we can start with the limitations of existing cell and gene therapies. What would you say those are? Uh, thank you, Danny. And yes, so... Uh, the field of cell and gene therapies is extremely wide, of course. So uh, I think as a growing and expanding field, there are, I think, many places that can still be uh, addressed. Uh, and so it is um, uh, many different solutions for many different existing problems. And so uh, the potential for cell and gene therapies for these new treatments for suffering patients is extremely high. So this is something that uh, I'm very positive about. And um, to give some examples, though, concrete examples of some current limitations would be uh, potential uh, trade-offs that you see with the different uh, vectors that are being used for delivery, uh, for uh, trade-offs regarding logistics when you're using uh, your own cells or a donor's cells for autologous or allogeneic uh, cell therapies, for example, which genes are being targeted and uh, uh, which targets are being addressed. All of these, I think, have room for improvement. Uh, for example, uh, for autologous gene therapies, uh, they're often shipped to a separate location for manufacturing, and so there are some shipping and logistics issues that have historically existed. So uh, now with the field expanding towards more allogeneic allograft therapies, uh, there's a different set of trade-offs. 
Alexogen has developed what it calls self-replicating RNA or CSR RNA technology to address these challenges. What is CSRNA, or I should say that, let me try that again. What is CSR RNA and, and how does it work? CSR RNA stands for controllable self-replicating RNA, CSR RNA. And uh, self-replicating RNA uh, has been known for decades at this po point, and it's known for potentially stronger and longer expression the, than traditional mRNA. Uh, and as with everything, there are some nuances to this, of course. And now CSR RNA, why is it controllable self-replicating RNA? It's a unique type of self-replicating RNA based on the Venezuelan equine encephalitis virus a uh, single-stranded positive sense RNA uh, genome virus. And uh, it is controllable in that it is temperature controllable. So the expression is optimized and on at 30 to 35 degrees Celsius, and it's inactivated at 37 degrees Celsius and above. And we use these features to turn protein expression on and off ex vivo and in vivo. And there are many strengths and ways to use this, but to pick one for illustrative purposes, uh, we would be uh, using this ex vivo to tune and control protein expression uh, to make it uh, transient expression is uh, one way to do so. Uh, we do this by lowering the temperature of the cell incubation to produce protein and then raise it to inactivate that expression. And CSR RNA has additional viral proteins as well, particularly RNA-dependent RNA polymerase which is also turned off with this mechanism. So by the time the cells go back into the patient's body in, in this uh, scenario, uh, it's already turned off. And so thus it is both a safety feature uh, and it's also an efficacy feature that makes CSR RNA unique. The company has also developed stem cell therapy platform technology. What's the significance of this technology? Yes. The stem cell uh, therapy uh, platform is referred to as uh, Z-Scan4 therapy, Z-Scan4. And uh, this is a very special gene whose functions were discovered by our scientific co-founder, Dr. Minoru Ko at the National Institute on Aging at the NIH. And it was originally discovered when uh, he was researching embryonic stem cells. And it's a specific gene that's rarely but highly expressed at time points that are critical for the genome during human development, particularly for stem cells. And uh, at these time points, Z-Scan4 stabilizes the genome. It uh, corrects karyotype. It can repair DNA damage, renew aging stem cells, and extend their telomeres. So these sound like some very uh, highly applicable features for major implications in uh, therapy for many kinds of diseases. And we're focusing on the telomere extension aspect for a proof of concept for this. So uh, this stem cell uh, therapy platform, Z-Scan4 therapy, is using the functions of Z-Scan4 and controlling the expression with CSR RNA. Well, let's talk about telomere biology disorders. What, what are these? Telomere biology disorders are uh, characterized by short telomeres and accelerated shortening resulting in uh, cell loss or different kinds of uh, dysfunctions. And the most severe phenotype 
is called dyskeratosis congenita. Uh, and uh, uh, in some cases, mutations in genes involved in telomere maintenance uh, have been found as the reason for this. And how do these conditions manifest themselves and progress? Telomere biology disorders are a very uh, complex type of condition, and short telomeres themselves can manifest in many different ways and many potential cells in the body. Uh, but I would like to highlight in particular the hematopoietic stem cells found in the bone marrow. Uh, so uh, hematopoietic stem cells, or HSCs, uh, uh, when they are um, suffering and affected by short telomeres, it can lead to blood cell deficiencies. You start to lose the ability to produce uh, new blood cells. And uh, for telomere biology disorders, uh, with the short telomeres, there's also a cancer risk. This is also something that is potentially worse in children. And in one example, 80% uh, of patients had bone marrow failure by 30 years old, which is a, a critical condition. How are patients with the disorder generally diagnosed? There are some uh, physical uh, manifestations that are uh, classic, but it's also uh, not always guaranteed that those are uh, there as well. And um, the major clinical feature that is noticeable and we're focusing on is, again, the bone marrow failure. And uh, there are also uh, genetic testing that is involved with uh, diagnosis. How are patients generally treated once diagnosed with the condition? What's the prognosis for someone who has it? There are supportive therapies with uh, side effects, but the only cure is hematopoietic stem cell transplant uh, from a donor. Uh, however, the procedure uh, comes with some very serious side effects, both upfront and later on. And one example is uh, something called preconditioning is done, which is to uh, effectively destroy the uh, existing bone marrow stem cells uh, to make room for the uh, donor's hematopoietic stem cells. Uh, and uh, some reduced conditioning methods are being tested, but uh, this, um, this preconditioning for uh, patients with fragile cells is uh, quite, um, is, uh, can be potentially quite damaging. Uh, there's also some uh, immunosuppression that must be done post-transplant. And I think all of that in conclusion means that uh, safer or gentler therapy is uh, needed and desired. XG34217, this is your lead therapeutic candidate. This is an autologous cell therapy. How does it work? Uh, so uh, I think, uh, you know, Danny, you, you understand this, of course, but just for, you know, uh, potentially the listeners is autologous, meaning your own cells as opposed to a donor's, of course. And um, in a nutshell, we collect a portion of the patient's hematopoietic stem cells from their blood, treat them with Z-Scan4, and then give them back to the patient. And uh, the whole process is 20, 28 hours inpatient, roughly. So a very, uh, I think, relatively short process. Um, and maybe to give that some detail, if we go further in depth, we're expressing Z-Scan4 in a transient manner, which is how it works in nature to extend uh, the patient hematopoietic stem cells as telomeres. And since this is a short telomere disease, uh, this is addressing the root cause of the issues for these patients. 
uh, Z-Scan4 is inactivated using temperature control and then returned to the patient. Uh, some uh, safety features are also involved in this. There's no preconditioning. Uh, the vector has no genome integration. And then the temperature control safety switch uh, inactivates the, the vector within days. There's also no uh, post-transplant immunosuppression. So this is uh, what we believe uh, is safety-focused and safety-first and designed for patient safety, which is uh, how we originally sought to, um, to apply this therapy. And um, this all takes place on-site, locally at the clinic. So it's performed on a tabletop cell processing machine called the Clinimax Prodigy by uh, Miltony. And the cell incubation and culture takes place in a functionally closed tubing system and no open air culture is used. The system's also automated and that can reduce potential human error and increase ease of use. That's interesting. Most people think of autologous therapies as, as being very costly and time complex and difficult to scale. How does having this type of bedside approach change what it might mean in terms of cost and speed of delivering these therapies? That is a uh, great question. And our, um, you know, this, uh, so how we're currently using this and how we uh, uh, ourselves are seeing this is in a clinical trial. So there's some extra steps, of course, but the dream is to make this a point of care autologous therapy using uh, Z-Scan4 and controllable uh, self-replicating RNA. And uh, there are some um, uh, manufacturing and scaling considerations for this. And once the cells are prepared, how are they delivered to the patient? Uh, so uh, since this is uh, done locally and in the clinic, uh, the cells are uh, simply infused back to the patient after the procedure is uh, performed on site. And um, the, the process is streamlined for the uh, technical people that are actually doing this due to the automation uh, from the uh, cell processing uh, uh, equipment and also the uh, function of Z-Scan for itself. So it is uh, performed in an entirely uh, functionally closed tubing system. There's no open air uh, cell culture uh, and there are no uh, shipping logistics that are involved with this. And so it's a much simpler procedure. And uh, furthermore, for uh, CSR RNA specifically, uh, the biosafety level requirement is lower since it's simply RNA. It's not like a viral vector such as a adeno-associated virus or lentivirus. Uh, and this ultimately leads to what we believe to be a scalable uh, cell therapy. And one direction uh, that we are looking into right now is developing micro GMP suites uh, that would help facilitate cell therapy administration. We recently signed a memorandum of understanding with Hitachi Global Life Solutions to uh, go uh, further into this direction. And we think that developing this could lead to uh, improvements in logistics, uh, reduced timelines for cell therapies, uh, and, and better scaling, which would ultimately lead to cost savings, uh, better patient outcomes, and accessibility. What's known about the safety and efficacy of the therapy from studies that have been done to date? So this study is still ongoing, but our uh, PI uh, principal investigator uh, presented a case study at ASH last year uh, showing a good safety up to nine months and 
uh, two things that uh, two facts that could be considered uh, the first ever for these patients. So the first is uh, that the hematopoietic stem cells returning to the patient had a 1.24 fold increase in telomere length after treatment with Z-Scan 4. So we learned that Z-Scan 4 did indeed extend telomeres for this patient's HSCs going back to them. And then second thing, uh, so that is potentially first ever for uh, these patients and these cells. And then the second is, this is preliminary, but telomere flow fish uh, suggests potential emergence of a cell population with longer telomeres in the peripheral blood. So this would mean that the treated HSCs with longer telomeres potentially created blood cells that also had longer telomeres, which is again, addressing the heart of the problem for telomere biology disorders. So with these two uh, promising data points, we are cautiously optimistic. What's the development path forward? Uh, going on for this, uh, we are looking to continue uh, this trial for these patients, of course, and then also uh, continue to expand to additional uh, diseases that can also be helped with uh, Z-Scan 4, of which there are many. The shortening of telomeres is associated with aging. Elixirgen is also developing therapies for age-related diseases. Is it understood the role the shortening of telomeres play in aging, or is this just an observed effect? Let's, uh, for this, let's talk about the, uh, the um, general perception for this, that uh, telomeres and aging have a uh, long history and lots of publications and discussion. Of, and uh, there's a correlation certainly to telomere length and aging. And um, as we age, uh, the, the um, cells telomeres do get shorter as a fact. Uh, and we can uh, kind of look at uh, some interesting examples, such as in centenarians, where uh, some reports that uh, people who live longer uh, have been shown to have longer telomeres uh, than their peers. So there are some hints for this, and uh, this is a huge field, so I can't even begin to uh, you know get into this, but um, uh, there is a, a correlation. Ultimately, how broad a potential do you see self-replicating RNA having to treat other diseases? For uh, self-replicating RNA and um, in our case, our controllable self-replicating RNA. So controllable self-replicating RNA, uh, you could compare it to uh, the potential of messenger RNA, which um, people have been excited about the potential of messenger RNA towards all sorts of indications. And you can consider that CSR RNA could be applied to those as well, being a uh, next-generation RNA platform with the control and safety features. Akihiro Ko, CEO of Elixigen Therapeutics. Aki, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. 
drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com. <laughs>